A warm welcome to our podcast um, again. We're back here again. Good morning. And um, really after a Sunday, an unusual Sunday, because I had to speak twice. A big Sunday. This is a big, big Sunday. And um, my voice held out, surprisingly. I thought I was going to be croaking by the end of it. Although uh, I wasn't getting anything out of you after the evening. That was it. <laughs> you had given up all of your words for the day and uh, there was to be no conversation. <laughs> I think, uh, yes, I think you're right. And we had these... Two talks, which actually, I, I didn't plan them to be interconnected, but they kind of were. Mm. Um, so in the morning, we talked about Jesus, uh, the wedding at Canaan, and then John's introduction, the story of uh, turning tables over in the temple. Uh, and then in the evening, I shared the stage with um, Alan Brand, uh, and we talked about justice in the old and the new, uh, and how we might come about justice uh, in our culture today. Mm-hmm. Um, and that despite there being a, a few little sound issues with um, what I was sharing, I think there was one bit that I, I think I wanted just to um, hopefully lead our conversation on. And this is this idea that um, the kind of the biblical narrative has this trajectory towards justice. Um, and the kind of point was that justice doesn't come naturally. It has to be engineered. It has to mm. be kind of um, brought about by something Um Left to ourselves, it seems, um, justice doesn't naturally come. So the God's intervention in the Old Testament is trying to push Israel towards this different way of doing society. Mm-hmm. And that's why we had some of these amazing you know, laws like the you know, year of Jubilee, which is an, um, you know, trying to enact that law. Mm. Uh, and uh, certainly in our culture, there'll be uproar. They'll be like, well, what's the point of working? You know, but there was something in that that says, why don't we try for this? Um, but it, it was spoilt all the time. You know, they, yeah. you know, I said, you know, the matrix was there, the kind of DNA was there, um, but we didn't have the heart to do it. Um, uh, and then Jesus steps in. Uh, and that's yeah. where we kind of have this this new look at sort of justice. Uh, bringing about and it did throw up some interesting questions about how we see justice around us and in society and I think probably in retrospect looking back at what I shared last night there's probably a couple of things that I'd want to clarify mm-hmm. um, about how we show justice and that's kind of come in our conversation about how we understand what justice means yeah well I think it's interesting because there was a phrase um, at theological college um our missiology lecturer was fond of saying was that if everything is mission then nothing is mission if we get to a stage where everything we do is always missional Mm. um actually it kind of cheapens the idea of mission and i would say uh, i reply that to justice okay if everything is justice then nothing is justice if we if we just kind of if we see injustice in tiny little aspects of our lives there's the chance that we're going to be um, very distracted from massive injustices mm. being done to some people. So there will be injustice in everybody's life in some way or shape or form. And that came across last night. And I'd say as Christians, I would want us always to be bothered about all injustices and, and kind of try and level the playing field but not be blinded to perhaps the injustice in our own life that mm. may be really don't compare to some of the shocking, horrendous mm. levels of injustice in other people's lives. And we mentioned last night, kind of, where would Jesus be? Mm. Um, and I think I think there are injustices in my life that he would be, um, he would be bothered about. 
But I think he'd also be saying to me, hey, Claire, look at the injustice mm. over here. Can you even bear it? And and showing me that mm. actually, whilst there's injustice in my life, there's there's unspeakable injustice in somebody else's life. And is it a way of us dealing with our affluence? Because, you know, we live in an affluent society and an affluent country in, in a whole, you know, compared to the rest of the world, we're still in the top to three percent affluence um is it part of us kind of struggling to acknowledge our own affluence in the light of injustice or in the light of poverty or in the light of you know Mm. people not having what we have Uh, and that as christians becomes a bit sticky i think yeah um and i can look around our culture and i kind of shared a bit last night and thinking well you know just because there's you know nicer doors doesn't mean there's not injustice and there really can be Mm. you know there's things that go on in business in work Mm -hmm. um there's things that go on in corporations in hospitals in all sorts of things where there's endemic injustice in how things are organized if we think of you know um issues in the workplace over gender over race um those things are evident we were just talking about this morning is in the medical profession you are not treated the same as a woman as you are as a man. Statistically, mm. you are less likely to get help as mm. a woman. So many, um, particularly female uh, complications and female problems have not been researched over the last hundred years while medical treatment was coming mm. on leaps and bounds. Uh, female disorders have been largely ignored yeah. and mishandled. That is an injustice that's an injustice that i've i've been on the end mm. of in in terms of my care i've i've now become very aware of how unjust the medical system is mm. when it comes to women and there's a lot of sphere in which women still aren't getting treated mm. in the same way as men and i'd say that's unjust and that is there in our affluent society mm. And I want to say, I want to stand up and say, no, that mm. is not fair. Mm. And I think I, I, th- I think Jesus would back me in mm. saying that's not fair. But, um, you know, we still go beyond yeah. our own affluent society. And, you know, we acknowledge that we live in an unequal world. Mm-hmm. And that's always been the case, you know, from although Israel tried to resolve it by saying, you know, all the tribes got the same amount of land, you know, everyone was to have their portion, no one was to take, it's still, mm-hmm. you know, it couldn't, those rules and those, you know, the family rules of Abraham couldn't stand up to people's behavior, because they always seem to want to take more, always seem to, I mm-hmm. guess, make bad mistakes, some people would make bad mistakes, and other people would benefit from them. So this, and you, you know, this inequality mm-hmm. is, is kind of there within, naturally, and then you've got that um, kind of ma- kind of made larger through then rules and laws get brought into place that bring about equ- inequality. Yeah. Um, so we think about some of the gender things, some of the racial things, how the laws of the land have mm-hmm. bought and made it, you know, kind of more um, uh, easy to bring that about. Yeah. Um, but there is always this natural tendency, I think, um, to go towards inequality. And, you know, and I think the challenge of our, our society and our culture is you know we have so much um how do we justify that yeah and that's what i come back to with kind of thinking through what's just and what's not Uh, and i don't know how i justify that and there's like you said there's never inequality and at the root of that there could be 
we could make everything equal, but you always, if you if you ask a child to kind of hand out the pieces of birthday cake, yeah. they will always keep <laughs> the best, biggest one for themselves. Yeah, this would. is innate. This is ultimately we would do want to share the cake, and we want to bless others, and we want to get a good feeling from blessing others, which often we mistake for being just. Is actually we like the feeling of yeah, acting supposedly justly. Um, but deep down, we want to make sure we have that piece of cake for mm. ourselves first. And there are a few situations where I think people don't act like that. There are there are some people who don't act like that, mm. but they are very few and far between. And usually they live lives on the fringe of society. Um, because for most of us, we check we've got our piece of cake mm. before we do anything else. And are we seeing some of that in around us at the moment? So the um, petrol stuff. Yeah. You know, it came about because too many, there was not a shortage or there was a very blip yeah. and it turned into a m massive blip. Uh, and I wonder coming up, you know, there's kind of fears over toilet rolls again. It's like, are we just going to generate this mm. because of that innate desire in us that we want to have what we want to have? Yeah. Um, not really appreciating that if everyone just didn't, that there would be enough to go around. But there's something, you know, just very human about that stockpiling mm. about that you know it seems to be so intrinsic to our nature um to want to have yeah. you know and keep um and the consequence of wanting to have and keep is that other people don't have and that's where the well, alan talked quite a bit about calais and the immigration yeah. situation and that comes about because we want to have and keep our mm. place in the uk as it is as, mm. as it is nice we don't want people coming in mm. um and that's on a, a political level, yeah. but that's also on a personal level. Yeah. We we don't want to hide that person in the boot of our car and potentially exchange our comfort for theirs. Mm. And that again, that is absolutely in no way saying that Alan should have, you know, <laughs> hidden anybody in the boot of his car. I, you know, don't believe that would be the right thing. But I, if I was facing that situation myself, mm. you know, I, I would Because it be becomes personal, to, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and, and Alan shared a number of stories where he's stepped into the personal connection with and people. And that was really helpful. Yeah, and really I, helpful I, I do... And I think all of these big issues that we kind of wrestle with in academia and the rest, it, if you meet people and you are up close and personal mm. with them, it totally changes, you know, how you view that. Uh, and there's that kind of, you know, walk a mile in someone else's shoes and then you understand what they're going through. And with that comes an understanding of compassion uh, and seeking this kind of fairness and straightness um, mm. from the crookedness that comes naturally in the world. Um, and I'm even aware just how much since lockdown um, how much I've really rarely left my own sphere mm. my own the people that I'm around my even my geographically my own home how much that affects us how we've all been very much in our own space mm. recently means we haven't been walking at any distance with anybody mm. so how do we know what's going on with people yeah. in our own community let alone in the wider world mm. and I think we can watch the news and I I personally think that is not always a good thing because you can become bombarded and desensitized by so much injustice mm. that you you see it so regularly and presented in such graphic terms mm. that you can't cope with it. You shut down and because the human 
a human being cannot cope with so much injustice all on one for one yeah. person um and instead we shut down so how can we stop shutting down how can we stop staying in our own sphere are, are there ways now for us to be called to say mm. yeah we need to get out there we need to see what is going on out there we mm. need to see where there is injustice and we need to do something about it and i think that another thing that came through with what alan shared was <clears throat> um just the that it's got to be natural and organic and in our mm. sphere i mean there's no point as you know i can't think of an example quickly you know suddenly focusing all our attention on what's happening in calais say, yeah, because okay. we're nowhere yeah. in, you know it's not you know we're, we're not in a circumstance situation to invest in that mm-hmm. um but there probably are groups around uh and people around you know whether that's connecting with church or school or other works mm. you know are there there elements of where we can stand for this rightness and this fairness um as christians and come alongside people in a really natural way mm-hmm. um because i think otherwise we're forced to take on another agenda or another cause uh, and there's so many causes um if we're not careful we just get pulled around but as you were saying right at the start um that justice doesn't come naturally yeah. or easily so i think there's the one sense i felt really relieved when i heard alan say last night that we listen to the calling of the holy spirit mm. And we go with that. So what is the Holy Spirit putting on our hearts to ask for justice? So it's not just what is going on in my life. Oh, I can see that. Mm. So that's it. I think waiting for injustice to come to your door, that that's not going to happen. Mm. Injustice isn't going to knock on the door and say, hey, what are you going to do about me? Mm, yeah. Um. So where's the in-between bit? There's a, mm. there's a part of us that needs to be asking the Holy Spirit where where is the injustice that you want me to fight mm. um however big or small there's a part of it asking when we're out and about where is that injustice mm. reveal that injustice to me but chances are if we're and we are still spending a lot more time at home mm. and in our own environments than we were pre-covid so we do need to be saying to the holy spirit please show us mm. teach us what is it that you want us to see and then going from there possibly as well being aware of other people so if you know of somebody else who's got uh, something of injustice on on their heart and you feel the holy spirit maybe mm. calling you to get involved with that person yeah. maybe it's taking the lead on that and um, rather than trying to do it all yourself mm. because you might not have this kind of burdening on your own heart but somebody else might and you Mm. might be able to get involved in that work yeah that's an interesting thought isn't it how do we work and that's where kind of community comes into it how do we work collaboratively Mm. you know with things and um what's god put on our heart as a church community not just as an individual Mm -hmm. um and you know we have our, our mission tithe and we give money away and that's great and um, it's a really positive thing for us to do, but where's but also alongside of that, where's the action within it? Yeah. Um, where's the going and uh, and being present with people? Um, yeah, and I think that happens in some aspects of church community life. Um, but I think there's probably you know there's a lot there's other spheres you know where mm. the, the church might be need to engage with. Um, I know I, w- I went to London a couple of years ago with Toby for. Um, a rally called 
the time is now. And that was amazing to be together with other people. So it was a, a rally for climate change mm. and environmental justice because we are also calling for justice for for mm. the world and climate change has a massive effect on billions of people across mm. the world and toby and i went down there and you know it really it changed his understanding of it and it changed mine that actually you're together with other people mm. and i think there is I, I think we're all flawed as individuals but when we're by ourselves, we feel completely impotent. When we're with others, we we rise together, mm. we empower each other, we encourage each other. And I think we have more of a challenge to fight for injustice. And it's interesting because Jesus turned the tables over in the temple. Mm. He did that yes, yesterday when you talked about that. He did that and he didn't win. Mm. He actually didn't really achieve anything and that was a shameful thing he didn't bring about change he was one man yeah if if the whole kind of you know if if a number of people did Mm. that if a large group did that Mm. you get change and since then jesus has has brought about in us the ability to gather together Mm. and fight for injustice and change so it's not just all about Mm. I i think our individual aspects that kind of aspect can really hinder us at times yeah but and you know we also look back and see you know great um kind of institution charities that have been doing this you know they mm. stepped up because they saw injustice around them um you know the organizations um you know like bms who have you mm-hmm. know worked for years in in different countries and different situations to bring about yeah. um, elements of justice um you know we looked at open doors yesterday um in the service and you know there's another organization that's you know reaching out for the very you know least and the persecuted you know in the world um and, and it came across yesterday there's a lot of non-christian organizations yeah. there's yeah. you know the red cross has been working yeah. for you know so many years to bring about change and you know unicef there's there's so many mm. good organizations fighting for justice mm. and i i don't think we need to think that we need to be all on our own no and that that did come across and i think um you know diana asked the question about you know in this towards the end as well about mm. that you know is it you know what non-christians are doing you know are they doing more than we're doing sometimes um and there is that sense of do you know when Jesus was at the wedding in Canaan, no one knew what he was doing and, and God still worked in that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's similar with others. If we're getting involved in organizations and they don't have the label of Christian Christians or the mm-hmm. church, um, that's still okay. You know, it's yeah. still bringing about this endeavor to bring about justice um, in our world. Um, and whether that's an environmental organization or a, you know, a charity or whatever it is, um, it's okay for us to join that and to be part of it, you know, even if it didn't have the banner yeah. you know, of, of the Christian faith. But I also think it's not just that it's okay. I think also it we should be seeing God in mm, those things. Yeah. We should be seeing God in the things being done just for the, their own goodness. Mm, yeah. You know, people are not doing it because they feel that it's part of their faith is calling them to do it. They're doing it because in their heart they're hearing the the voice of injustice cry up and then yeah. answering no 
this is not right. And I think we should be seeing God work mm. in all his children because God speaks in all his children and, and we should want to get involved in that and bring, you know, something of, you know, the light that we carry mm. of God's into that situation, but not feel that we're necessarily bringing anything, you know, anything, ex, you know, we're bringing our thing, mm. but that actually already work is going on there. So I guess the kind of leads us to kind of the sort of so what question, doesn't it? What does this mean to us today in our work life, in our family life, in our communities? And mm. um, what does it mean to be a, a people that seek fairness? Um, and, you know, I quite like the the Old Testament imagery of straightness because, you know, if you look at nature, everything's a bit crooked. Nothing in nature is mm. straight, is it? You can look at a tree and, you know, even the most even the straightest tree in the world isn't kind of straight. Mm. Um, so all around us, there's this kind of, you know, crookedness um, in nature and in the world. And how do we bring about this kind of idea of, of straightness and rightness and fairness mm. um, in our community, wherever that is, you know, whether that's, um, you know, our streets, our workplace, our school life. Our family life. Our family even. life. How do we make things My goodness, there's there. a... Um, <laughs> I don't even know. I've got three boys. How do I make life fair all the time? I try my best. Yeah. But um, there's always somebody who's displeased with what yeah, I'm Yeah, because even if it is fair, it's unfair for one of them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> fairness isn't always what people want. That's the, that's mm, the thing, okay. isn't it? Yeah, okay. It's, it's people want what's right for them, not what's fair. Um, yeah, and that so goes you're going to come up the... against opposition. The more fair you are, the more yeah. you strive for justice, the more you will come up against opposition because in being just, you will be taking away from somebody who wants more than their portion. Mm. And fairness with kids is quite interesting because they're different ages, aren't they? Ours are. So what's fair for an older one is not necessarily the same fair for a younger one. You know, a portion, say. Yeah. You know, how, how you divvy we... up the the how pizza. do you see that in the world as well <laughs> that that's that's how we see it with children but actually what is fair in one culture is not necessarily what yeah. is fair in another culture but it's not just i think i think fairness and justice are different things mm, yeah. i think fairness but they are is so a relative they, they term are. i think justice mm. is a lot less relative it is not necessarily any more black and white but it's less relative. You can look at what is just to a person. Yeah, but I, I do think what is fair. Well, I, I do think that just so certainly looking at the Old Testament and of justice was about what's just and right in that situation. So what's just yes. and right in that relationship? That's the righteous thing to do is that thing. Yes. Um, you still got to discern it because there's no rules, but you've got to discern. So in this business relationship, what's the 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 righteous fair way of engaging uh, and it is you know i guess it's it is that that's so you know how we relate together or how we relate to our children or how we relate to other people do we do that in a fair way and a just way um and that is different so i might you know have a an engagement with you on something and we'd say that's fair but you know i talk to someone else and it's a very different situation and I do something different because that's just and fair mm. um so it is and that's the discerning challenge isn't it you know so you look at people try to you hope people run their businesses in a fair way um but that's not always the case and there's enough horror stories to know that the money and the profit seems to you know drive rather than fairness mm. um in a lot of instances not in all instances I think you know we you look at some organizations and they you know 
run it on a very fair and just way. But wages is a you know is a, a significant one. You know, there's the um, national minimal or living wage, uh, mm-hmm. and then there's the kind of uh, I'm talking to Neil about it the other day. There's another one that's kind of the the fair living wage that you know is is the true living wage. Um, uh, but not every organisation pays that. They pay the minimum wage, you know, the minimum they can get away with rather than the kind of the living wage. Um, and that's to do with how you, what you think is fair and what you think is right. Um, and so how do we go about bringing yeah. justice in our community, in our families and in the world? Mm. How, how do we go about doing that? So how do we bring about fairness um and justice around us that's a really big question isn't it mm-hmm. um yeah i don't think i have any answers to that but i i think one way we can we can put ourselves in a position to discern what's just and fair is that proximity question yeah. because you're around them and you know them and you love them and you care for them uh and within that you can find out what's fair. Um, so standing up for someone who's getting a rough ride with, you know, a situation at work mm. or a situation with benefits or whatever it is, um, standing alongside them and looking at it and saying, yeah, no, that's not fair. We need to we need to solve that. We need to work with that. But you can't do it from a distance. You have to do it just close up. And it's very hard if you begin to be apathetic as well yeah because that's the tent there's so much i mean there is just you know if you watch the news or read a newspaper it's i think you're instantly overloaded you know with it you can't get your head around it there's too much um and we've often said this we just have access to so much information so much news uh, and i don't think it's it's good for us you know to Mm. have that much access to it because it's all abstract it's all someone else has said this about that and isn't that unfair and it's like well yeah but we're not we're so disconnected from that story i don't know you know it might be it might not be um but just because the headline says it's not fair um is that enough is that right um and if we're not careful we just have all these things that you know surround us um you don't really watch the news so um, i i intentionally don't watch the news it's it is an overload for mm, me yeah. um and yeah so i I've, I've opted out of that <laughs> i don't i don't think that that's me not being concerned about the world and i i find out my news from other sources in other ways and some of it quite i i read um a magazine that i i subscribe to always has a positive news feature mm, and yeah. actually it's really good to have what's just around the world what what people are fighting against mm, injustice yeah. and um that's that's you know i think that's really positive too because i think how other people fight against injustice how other people fight for truth and goodness mm. those things should inspire us too and i think unfortunately that certainly the news as it's presented to us now is just sensationalist it's just there to horrify and titillate as well mm. i don't think it's necessarily particularly healthy um so i think there are it it's being aware of our world mm. and not not necessarily needing the horror stories only, but being aware of our world in a more general but the, sense. The whole positive news thing is a movement, isn't it? You know, the positive news yeah. movement. It's amazing that has to happen because 
the working assumption then is that the news is generally negative and yeah. intentionally negative. Absolutely. Um, and I think that kind of does play out, you know, when you, you engage with it at all. But it doesn't just have to be bad things that make you want to strive for no, injustice. You're right. no. it's, it's good things. It's yeah. hearing of, you know, of people planting trees or, mm. you know, fighting to get, you know, decent cooking utensils mm. for women in countries where they don't have any. And, mm. you know, there's all sorts of things that inspire you to be... Um, mm. better fighters for justice and I actually mm. think the more positive the news the more perhaps it encourages us to get off our, mm. our butts and do something whereas I think the negativity puts us into a kind of a mm. coma of we just can't do anything mm. well I think we're kind of coming up to the end you know, of our time together um, I don't know if we've solved anything I would be surprised if we had yeah I think this is a, a big topic. I think last night there was a lot of food for thought. Mm. In case anybody hasn't watched it, I would really encourage you to um, to watch last night's discussion on justice. Mm. Well, we'll leave it there. Um, God bless you. Thank you for um, joining us and being part of our little conversation here this morning. <laughs>